Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of A Blessing in Divorce. I Today, I have a really special guest. Her name is Candace Sampson. She's somebody that I actually met at the very beginning of the Separation Club. I was interviewed on her radio station, and she actually, uh, we had a conversation about um, how women fare financially in a divorce. And one of the reasons she wanted to talk to me about that is because she was about a year and a half into a rather lengthy, you know, court battle with her ex and dealing with the financial fallout of being in a long court battle. And we had a conversation that I'm going to be sharing here with you about how the family court system fails people, how they it fails women mostly, but it fails people in general because of how drawn out it is, because of how costly it is, and because it doesn't really hold people accountable. You know, I talk so much about empowerment and being in control of your life and healing and growing and stuff that, you know, very much the focus of this podcast. But if there's one thing that can leave us feel incredibly powerless and like we don't have any control of our life, it is when we get wrapped up in the family court system and especially when that happens where one of the partners is narcissistic or has a personality disorder, where they continue the abuse through the family court system. And unfortunately, the way it's designed, it makes it easy for them. Not even, it doesn't even make it hard. It makes it easy. So we have a great conversation about that, Candace and I, and I welcome you to join in. And also, I hope you hear her resilience and strength and how she chose to also heal herself and have a life and raise her kids and not be beaten by the system. So this is going to be a great episode and I'm so excited to share it with you. My name is Elizabeth and I am the host of this podcast and the owner and founder of The Separation Club, which is the club you never wanted to be part of, but the best club to be in if you're going through separation and divorce. Here we talk about how to heal, move forward and find love if you're so inclined. Also motherhood through divorce, finding yourself and creating the life you deserve. Our tools are community, sisterhood, honesty, vulnerability, spirituality, coaching, and that's when we aren't talking to our friends and experts. I am also a divorced mother of four adult sons, remarried, and a stepmom to three, so we will be talking about everything that goes with all of that here. If you are recently separated, thinking of separating, divorcing, or even beyond your divorce but still feeling it, then this is the podcast for you. And today I am interviewing Candace, or rather having a conversation with her. She is a woman of many talents and a true champion for women. As the host and owner of What She Said, one of the longest running female radio shows in Canada, Candace has built a loyal following of tens of thousands of women who tune in each week to hear her speak to some of the most influential and inspiring female voices around and to hear the uniquely female stories that she shares. But that's not all. Candace is also the proud owner of the website Life in Pleasantville, which she has used as a platform to share her passions for travel, food, and lifestyle for over a decade. Through this website, Candace has built a reputation as an authority in her field, inspiring and empowering women to live their best lives. However, Candace 
life hasn't always been smooth sailing. As a divorced thriver who came out the other side of the broken family court system after four years with a home destroyed by her ex-husband and left nearly half a million in debt, Candace is committed to helping other women lead their lives after divorce. Better, not bitter. Her own experiences have given her a unique perspective and a deep understanding of the struggles that women face during this difficult time. And she uses her platform to help others find their own way to a happier, more fulfilling life. Candace is a true inspiration, a woman who has faced adversity head on and emerged stronger and more committed to her mission to empower and inspire women everywhere. Her infectious spirit, her unflagging determination, and her unwavering commitment to her cause make her a force to be reckoned with, and one that women everywhere can look up to and admire. And I am one of those women, and I am so thrilled to have her here on the podcast today. Hi, Candice, and welcome to my podcast. I'm really excited to finally have you on my show, though I know that's entirely my fault, but I'm so thrilled you're here. Oh, I am happy to. Uh, it's been an interesting journey, actually, because I met you when you first started. Yes. The Separation it's, Club. It's yeah. four years ago. I looked, I was looking at wow. it. Yeah. And you interviewed me on your radio show. Yeah. And oh, I was so nervous. I was so <laughs> nervous. It was like, so I can't, so I can't believe you're here. Like, it feels surreal that now I'm the one who invited you here. But I was freaking out because like you were this professional radio person and you were going to interview me on um, the challenges. We talked about the challenges women have financially as a result of divorce and why it impacts women more than men financially. Right. We Mm -hmm. talked about those things, I remember. And I remember you mentioning that, you know, yeah, I've been going through this for a year and a half already. So hostile, like I just wanted to be over. And little did I know, and I'm not even sure that you knew where it was actually going to go from there until I saw you on social media sharing about a year ago, as we just discussed um, before we started recording here. So maybe fill in some blanks. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, from, so from the time we first, I mean, it was bad at that point, I thought with absolutely no idea of where it was going to go. And, uh, you know, really, my divorce process was really just one of Mm non-participation for the longest time. He just on his part, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just absolutely refused to participate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, and I often equate it to sort of that image of, you know, a, a a sulking child, you know, where they cross their arms and hold their breath and, you know, you're not going to, get them to participate. And that's really what it was. It was just a massive temper tantrum for four years, like just not going to participate and you can't make me. And, and as I found out, you can't really make somebody, but that's, we'll probably get to that a little later. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was just this continual, you know, going back to court and then the delay and then back to court. And it was in November of 2021 that I received an email from the bank saying they were going to seize my home. And I had been awaiting a decision from the judge for, I think like eight months at that point, I could be off on my math, but it was a long time. And And just to catch the listeners up for a second, you no longer lived in your home. No, I hadn't lived yeah. in it since I, since I separated. Now I was still, it was a matrimonial home. Yeah. So it was 
mine. I had lived in it for 20 years. There, there was no dispute oh, in the eyes of the law that half the house was mine and yes. uh, half the debt. Like there was no arguing that. Um, but he had had stayed in the home. I had moved into a rental property with my daughters. And so in November, I had received a notice from the bank saying they were going to seize the home on Christmas day of all days of great. I'm sure it's just a computer thing, but honest to God, like maybe they should just flag that. Yeah, I know. Right. Like let's really throw people into a tailspin, shall we? Yeah. So I got that letter and I had to go back to the judge and ask for an emergency motion to be made because I was now at risk from losing the home. And so she did, she came back and she awarded me the home because he had not paid child support. He had not paid spousal support. Uh, he refused to participate, all of these things. It was just, there was a lot. And so she said the home was mine and I could have it. So just December 13th, I came into the house with my daughter, had a locksmith come open the door. Um, and there was no power. The lights were off, the house was freezing, but it was dark, obviously, because 4 o'clock in December yep. in Canada, couldn't see anything in the house. So I, all I had was my phone, turned the flashlight on my phone, sort of looked down the stairs, and I could see the water in the basement was coming up the stairs. And parts of it were frozen. And it was just infuriating. So I left, went to my parents, came back the next day in the light of day, and I was just I was just disgusted. I mean, the house had been intentionally destroyed. Power had been cut off to the house um, in the basement. So at the breaker. So that was intentional, uh, you know, which would mean the sump pump would flood in the basement. And it had been like that for, you know, we guesstimate at least a month um, because of the amount of mold that had grown in the house over that time. It so actually mold on the walls yeah sorry well and I remember so you did a walkthrough like a Facebook live walkthrough almost like yeah. I I'm guessing partly so that people would believe you when you said like yeah I like I snapped I'm not oh. even gonna lie I snapped it was four years four years of like not being public about what was going on not talking like you know a little bit alluding to my divorce or it was yeah. trying or it was contentious I would, you know, say those things, but I didn't really share details because that's really not what I wanted to do. But when this happened, there were multiple things going through my mind at that time. And first of all, I was furious uh, that this had got to this point and I was so upset with the entire system, my lawyer, the courts, him, uh, you know, that it was just so unfair to me. Also, the whole, would people believe me? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed so outrageous to me that this even happened. Um, and I, I needed to use a little bit of my social media presence to get some eyeballs on this uh, because it was just so unbelievable. So I went public and um, I didn't name him publicly and I never will. Uh, you know, people were asking to say his name and stuff. And I, I wouldn't wish that wish that kind of social media mob on my worst enemy, which I would say he is, frankly, but <laughs> I wouldn't wish it on him. And, uh, but it's not going to help solve your problem anyway. No, right? it's not. No. And it's not it's about that pile that. on. It's that pile on mentality too that comes yeah. on. Right. And I wasn't looking to put his, uh, 
his physical self in harm or anything like harm's way or anything like that. That's not what I was doing, but I did really feel it was important to highlight a system that is so broken that this is allowed to happen. Yes. And, and so when we came in that day, they're, like they're, like I said, well, the video is, it's, it's pretty much on social. You could find it pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have one on TikTok, uh, for example, if people want to go over, they can see that there. But, but for the most part, there was mold growing on furniture, on walls. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was crazy. And it was just unbelievable. And I thought- I remember the windows were all wrecked yeah. as well. Oh yeah, everything. Like it's yeah. like around, you know- I honestly haven't figured out numbers. So I give guesstimates on things because sometimes it's just too depressing to sit down, but I can easily say that there's been about $250,000 worth of damage to the house. Um, And that's all uninsured uh, because a, he had canceled or let the, let the insurance insurance default like seven months prior to this incident. But also even if there was insurance, it was an intentional act. He cut off the, off the, the power. So there would, so there would be no recourse anyway. So everything I have to do to repair this home is going to come out of my own pocket. So I'm going to be walking on plywood floors for a long time, but, um, area rugs. Yeah. That's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And also like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed of my home at all. Like this is my reality. And you know, that's, it's just the way it is. So you're welcome at any time, but don't yeah. judge my plywood floors, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, the flip side is we don't have to worry about spilling on the carpet, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. Totally safe for red wine too. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a red wine friendly house. There exactly. Um, no, and I, I, you know, it really, it, it was, first of all, it was shocking to me that it, that it was only a month that it had been without power, that damage could happen that quickly that surprised me. But aside from that, it, what it really horrified me and the, the part that it really highlighted is the incredible failure of our family court system. And, you know, again, so we're not bad. legal experts and you're probably becoming one, but, um, and, you know, I'm not going to go hugely into it because there's not much I can do right now, but, you know, it does, it really does speak to something that is getting a lot more attention, by the way, thanks to people sharing like you did is, you know, that post-separation abuse or how, you know, and I don't know if the word abuser is something that is, fits him. I don't really know much about him, but whether it is avoiding, like a lot of people do, he's not the only one who does that, or using the system to continue to abuse or control or manipulate their their soon to be ex um, is prevalent, and the courts allow it. They allow it simply by not preventing it from happening. There's no punishment. There's no consequence, really. These delays, it floors me. I mean, I went through it as well. You know, I remember he wouldn't submit his his tax returns for months. And I mean, I knew he'd had them done. He had every excuse in the book every time we got together. And the judges, it all surprised me that the judges didn't say, well, too bad, so sad. We're just going to assign a figure to you based on what your ex-wife here is telling you, telling us. Like, I, it just always surprised me that they always said, okay, we'll give you 30 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we just have to do it all over I, again. I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here nodding because there's nothing I can disagree with you on this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just that they, um, the courts are, you know, failing. They're almost encouraging this behavior because there is, I've said this a million times and I will say it forever. There is an unofficial playbook that is passed around between people like this who share how to 
screw over the courts, screw over you. And as far as I'm concerned, if the courts are not going to get it together and start actually taking action, then they need to get out of the divorce business entirely because they are failing everybody. They not only failed me, they failed him because he's now walking around with no license, no passport, uh, has destroyed his credit rating. I mean, if there was action taking the first time he failed to comply with a court order, this may have been a totally different outcome for everybody, yeah. but because they are still, and I will say still, I was have been divorced now since uh, last March, I think, April. I have to look at, I have to look up my divorce, of, divorce, of anniversary, divorce, divorce, anniversary. <laughs> That's. That's what it's called. An anniversary. I have to look that up. Um, but, but yeah, they, they, they failed him. And so now like he's stopped paying child support. He doesn't pay spousal support. Um, so Fro is now, uh, and I am by the way on Fro, which is the family responsibility office in Ontario. Yeah. I'm always on them about like, Hey, what's going on? I'd like an update. And so he was in court in the fall for failing to pay uh, child support or spousal support. It was adjourned to January 19th. He had until December 1st to, um, take me back to court, which he never did. Then he, the date on January 19th came, he showed up in court. It's now been adjourned again until May 18th. Um, you know, and I asked Fro, well, what's the excuse? And they said, well, we can't, we can't tell you that. Oh, I know. I know. I'm like, so something that, something that directly impacts me and my children, you cannot tell me, but, but get this part. I could go to the courtroom and sit there because it's open to the public. So I could go down and sit there. And the thing that actually pisses me off about that, excuse my language, the thing that really angers me about that is that I could, and I will, but they put women in harm's way when they tell them that that's the only way they're going to find out what's going on with their case. Because women then are put into a highly confrontational situation where if they want to know what's going on in their own damn divorce, they have to go down and face the person who is abusing them. Yes. Whether it be financially or physically or mentally, they have to go down and sit in the same room because the courts can't tell you like how ridiculous I could go if I want to sit there and risk my physical being, but you're not going to tell me over the phone. Mm -hmm. I make that make sense. It doesn't. And, you know, even when he destroyed the house, crown wouldn't touch it. He hasn't been charged. Huh? It's, it is a system that favors the abuser. There's no question about that. They, and and I, I keep, you know, if there's been, people will ask me, do you ever find it triggering to do this work? And I haven't for the most part, except when I hear about cases like this and more, you know, even more so when I hear about child custody cases that have gone horribly wrong, because again, you talk about a playbook, there's a playbook for abusers, Mm -hmm. not just male, for abusive Mm -hmm. parents to how to get their children away from the safe parent. Um, And I've heard some horrible things have been going on. uh, Both it happens both in the States and in Canada. And it's just, it just, it, I can't understand that the court system is not being compelled to catch up at all. 
You know, it's like there's there's talk about it. I know in Ontario they passed a new divorce act, which does allow for the the acceptance, if you will, that acknowledgement that there is such a thing as emotional abuse and control, and that that is a real thing. That a woman doesn't have to have bruises on her body anymore for it to be acknowledged that she's been treated terribly. But the courts continue to do it, just like you said, like by making yep. you come and face that person who has treated you horribly, who might feel incredibly unsafe for you, be unsafe for you. Um, mm -hmm. Again, such a failure in the system. And, and I and I just keep coming back to the fact that why does he keep getting these extensions? Yeah, Not just him, but but anybody. No, I know because who's there representing me, my children, women, men everywhere who are subjected to this who's who's protecting them yeah because the benefit of the doubt keeps being given to him the extension we'll just kick this can down the road because we don't have time to deal with it because we're overwhelmed and that's you know, like that's what's so wrong that's exactly about what's it. happening that's what's happening like nobody wants to deal with it they don't care so they kick it down the road yeah right and so the person you know i, I remember calling fro during the pandemic saying, listen, like, where's my child support? And they would say, this is before he had stopped paying it. And they would say, well, you know, we're in a pandemic. Oh. I'm like, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, know, why? The why pandemic just pandemic? became another excuse for people to, <laughs> to provide incredibly poor service, honestly. Oh, it was brutal. And Fro was the worst. And then, you know, I would call Fro and so, hey, are you going to chase him down? Well, it's only been a day or it's only been two days. And I'm like, oh, cool. So could you call my lawyer? Will you let uh, my hydro provider, my uh, heating provider know that, you know, it's only a day? <laughs> like, exactly. Like, and so here I am you know, paying these things in credit at this point, mm -hmm. you know, my, because I had things had gone so far south with this divorce that my work was being uh, negatively impacted of course. because of, for many reasons, pandemic, um, because I had two teen daughters who were struggling with obviously many things at that point. Um, so, you know, my focus was them and not working and there was just a lot going on. And so none of those things were impacting him no. right during the pandemic. I mean, he owned a pool business for heaven's sakes. Talk about a booming business during oh, the pandemic. Oh yeah. He would have done extremely well. You would think, but that's what people were spending know. their money on. Yep. Uh, so, but, you know, I would call and say, Hey, where's this, where is this? And well, he, you know, he's claiming this and it's like, yeah, because he's self-employed. That's another thing that has become huge yeah. that the courts need to address is this whole self-employment because they can hide income. Yeah. They don't have to file taxes. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things they can hide behind yeah. in that regard uh, yeah. that needs to be addressed as well. There's no question that the family court system needs a massive overhaul and there needs to be some serious, you know, it, it just needs to be kind of cut and dry. Like you have till this yep. date to provide said documents. You don't provide them by this date. We'll go by whatever documents we have and we'll impute income or whatever on you. You know, yep. if they have your complete set of documents and they don't have his, then I guess your documents stand as the, as the de facto status of affairs. There needs to be some real consequences so that so this playbook that they get that you said gets passed around which is a real thing that it doesn't isn't valid anymore it doesn't work it just doesn't yep. work and it's you know it, it, like i said it's i 
hear stories in my Facebook group all the time of of how how afraid many of these women are of the court system because and they, they should be like, and I hate to say that I don't want yeah. to be a negative Nelly they should absolutely be afraid of and the court system and their fear of not being protected by they like, won't be from their potentially <laughs> their abuser exactly exactly right the again I have to say mm-hmm. don't have don't have an uh uh optimistic view of the courts I mean I thought well surely they're not going to allow this to happen. Surely I will be protected from these kinds of things happening. And what I've come to realize is you have no protection, nobody cares. And the abuser, the manipulator, whatever, they will benefit from the system because it is set up, unfortunately, to benefit them. Yeah, it really is. Whether that was intentional or not, obviously, but it's, it's, the reality is that it's easy for them to use the system. It's, yep. it's the, the massive flaws in it. Um, I think we're going to move forward from the legal aspect of that. And what I guess yeah. my, my lead, lead off question from that, you know, you went through so much, you're going through so much. Um, how did you, you know, even like just when you walked into the house that day and saw what you saw and you took that video that we all saw, you had a tremendous outpouring of support. I saw that as well. I did. <laughs> yes, you really did. Um, what would you say were some of the things that helped you get through that? So I feel like I was in training for that moment. To okay. Tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, over the four years sort of leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I left my marriage in June of 2018 and, you know, uh, of, as we know, things really went south a couple of years later. And but because I had been struggling sort of leading up even to the pandemic, I was building resilience without knowing I was yeah. building resilience. And I, I've always thought I was a fairly resilient person, uh, but nothing will give you that more than nonstop hardship. And I was also really aware. I have a lot of self-awareness. So I was really aware of the impact all of this was having on me as far as my health, my mental health, uh, my children's mental health. And so I was just actively seeking ways through that. And so it was like meditation, exercise. I mean, I read every and have and continue to read every self-help book under the sun. Mm-hmm. And some of them, you know, I toss aside and go, Neh. but there's always something in it that I can pull out and go, oh, and apply it to my life. Yeah. Um, I was just a very active participant in what was going on, being aware of it. Now, that's not to say that I like sailed through this, but like, you know, I had a couple of moments where I was absolutely curled up in a ball on the floor debating if I want it to go on still brings tears to my eyes because that is where I was at. This system is so frustrating. It is so stifling. And what always made me angry was thinking here I am a person. And I'm going to say a white woman, because I have privilege. I speak English, um, you know, and I think about women in this system in Canada who struggle with English as a second language, who have all of these barriers uh, because they're, you know, you know, they're black or they're Asian and they already have all this systemic racism coming at them. And I think, how do these women survive in this system, you know, and they, they don't have the money to, to fight with a lawyer. Like, 
how are these women making it? So I always was able to also pull in that empathy. Like, yeah, my situation sucked, but it's worse for other women out there, Mm. you know? And so these things just all sort of was this messaging. I was always bringing in that, you know, if it's bad for me, it's worse for somebody else. You know um, what can I do despite the circumstances to manage during this time? Because the one thing you lose hugely, I think during the separation process, especially if it's long and dragged out is any autonomy over your own life, because you can't make a decision for yourself or your children when you're stuck in this limbo. No, I know. And that's where I was for four years in absolute limbo on any decision. Uh, I couldn't go to the bank and get a mortgage because they were like, now nah, we got to wait for your divorce to be settled. <laughs> you know, Like you can't take equity out of a home that's not, you know, settled, not agreed upon. Yeah. Um, how do we know he'll pay you child support? You're right. I don't know that. So there was a lot of things that really were trying to push me down. And at the same time, because, you know, I think I have this feminist independent mindset. I was also spurred on by it to keep going despite the low points. And there were, and I wouldn't even hide that there were, there were a lot of low points. Um, but yeah, I, I really just, I think that's what pushed me through. And then when the house happened, I was like, oh yeah, like, okay. It's almost like it gave you a place to have the fight. (laughs) Like, okay, now I, now like I'm going to get my hands dirty literally, but it's like, okay, like you said, now I have all the tools I've learned what I need to learn. And yeah, you're right. And and listen, like there were, there was moments where I was absolutely after the house happened, there was moments where I was just distraught. Like I remember that happened December 13th. I had to record my radio show, uh, that week, um, you know, I was, I had just moved and I was going to have to move back again. I had to figure out what I was going to finance my home. There's a lot going on. And I remember recording my radio show at one point that week. And I was just sobbing into the microphone, trying to record the introduction. And I felt so bad for my producer of the show because I sent him the show. <laughs> like it was like, Every other editing nightmare was it? (laughs) Yeah, every other sentence I had to pause because I had a big ugly cry I had to let out, but I just could not pull it together. So I don't think there's any shame in those moments. Let feel your feels, let them out. Um, But then you got to stand up and dust yourself off. You just have to. It's the only way through. And people said that to me. Well, how did you do that? And like, you know, I've had so many people say to me, "Oh, like." you're so incredible to, to be able to come through this with the resilience you did and all that. It's like, no, I don't think I've done anything that any woman wouldn't have done in the circumstances. You just have to, you have no choice. Like what's the alternative? I'm going to go live in a cardboard box. Like I gotta keep going here. You're right. It's, it is a little bit of, you know, you won't be handed more than you can handle thing. Not that I'm necessarily an overly religious person, but it is a bit of that. And we are equipped to manage impossible situations in some way. Um, I think, you know, as with anything, what you showed us in the public, of course, you show us, you show yourself for the most part when you have things held together, when you're probably angry more than devastated, you know, like you, you know, your emotions were a little bit more controlled when you shared with us, which understandably was as we all do, but everybody has, 
curled up in the fetal position, don't know what to do. And I don't want to go on any more moments, especially yeah. with dealing with things like this. And I think, I think it's important for my listeners to hear that from you as well, because you did come across very strong and I tend to come across the same way when I was going through it. There's many who had no idea, nor did they need to know what was yeah. going on, but you do get up in the morning and you just find a way to go through it. I remember one of my, you know, when you talked about recording, I remember one day, because mine was very contentious as well, <clears throat> you know, different details, but it was a challenging couple of years in the court system. And, and um, I just remember walking into it. Uh, I wasn't feeling well and I knew I was getting sick. I it was actually the stress. I hadn't slept for months. Like I was just, the stress was getting to me. And I remember going to my doctor who wasn't around and he sent me to his other doctor and she was trying to tell me that um, I think you're okay. I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. There's something wrong with me. Like I just knew I was really sick. Anyway, she sent me to get a chest x-ray and I sat in that waiting room and sobbed. I just started crying. I don't even know why. A woman came up to me, a sweet, kind nurse quietly said to me, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not, yep. not at all. And she said, do you want me to find you a quiet spot? Like a, a, a private spot. She said private. Like, yes. So basically, can we take you somewhere else so you can sit and cry somewhere else? Not out here. You're upsetting the other. But people. you're, as you're telling me this story, I can feel like tears coming to my eyes because it is those small moments of compassion yeah. Yeah. that people extend to you that mean the world when you're going through this. And I yeah. often think, like, how can I help women through this journey? Because I can't help you legally. This no. system is broken. It is absolutely broken. And I cannot fix that. As much as I would like to, I can't. No. And I so I think, how can I help you? Well, I can help by leading by example, which I think is huge. But don't think that I've never not had those moments where I just wanted to, you know, throw in the towel. I have many of them. Uh, but I think it's really important when we're on the other side that we teach from our scars, not our wounds, which is why I very often go oh silent about things because I recognize when something is, and I hate this word, but when something is triggering for me, mm -hmm. um, I often go silent on socially, like uh, on social media because I don't feel it's safe for me to share because I may misdirect someone or misguide them. So I have to be sure that I am in the right frame of mind to share information um, with people uh, because I don't want women in particular, like I know men go through this, but that's not my audience, but I don't want women to give up hope. Yeah. I can't tell you it's going to be great on the other side. I can't tell you you're going to get what you want. But I can tell you that when you get through and you gain your life back, that's the time to start. You have a choice at that point. I could be angry. I could be extremely bitter for the situation I'm in. That's a choice. Yes. And yeah. Yes. So I've made the choice to not be those things because I have more track behind me than ahead of me. My life is, I'm not going to be here forever. I choose how to live what's left. And that is with joy and happiness and hope and compassion. All of those things 
that's what drives me through. And that's what I want other women to hear who are currently going through this journey. Cause I don't know what hell you're going to go through on your path. It's everybody's got a little bit of a different story yeah. and uh, you know, no, if everybody wants to jump in on a class auction lawsuit, you know, against, I don't know, the family the government. <laughs> Family. Well, you know, I found out by the way, you cannot, you cannot bring a class action lawsuit against the courts. I've actually looked into that. Of course you can. Um, of course you can. Yeah. Of course you can't, but, uh, even though they're failing miserably and, you know, falling on their face. Well, that's probably no part of the problem. They're, they're accountable really to no one, but you know, I, I, I no accountability. you said about that you're, that you support from your, your scars, you said, as opposed yeah. to your wounds and, and just to go back a little bit, something you said it just made so much sense to me. I don't love the word triggers either because it's one of those words that's become overused, but it, it means yeah. something. It, it does have a place. And I know for myself, I go silent as well when I get triggered, because if I don't go silent, I will generally say something I don't, I wish later I hadn't said, because exactly. I'm generally then speaking from a place of not really understanding where it came from. And I think for me, it's like, if I feel incredibly triggered, that's probably one of the biggest things I have taught myself is to is to step back and understand that first and then I can share the lesson as opposed to you know just vomiting from a place of like word vomiting from a place of uh <laughs> well I think I think in this world that like that we live in right where we're so quick to share our lives yeah. we often don't stop to think that we are sharing while processing and that's not good yes, yes. If, if I'm processing something if something has just set me off. I can do that with my girlfriends, which believe me, I, they have heard it all. Um, you know, and that's, my, what they're for. My, that's what a bottle yeah. of wine and a couple of girlfriends is for. Like, let me work through Absolutely. This. Like, and then, but as I say it, like I might say things out loud and it's not often until you spit it out that you go, Oh, I think, I think I need to dial that back. Or maybe I'm not right on that. But if you say that, if you process that crap on social media, yeah, you cannot pull that back. No, no, you can't. You have to be very careful. And and I have a public platform, so I'm extremely careful. But I'm talking even about people who don't have a public platform. They just have social media profiles yeah. that they keep up with their friends and their girlfriends on. Those are not places to process this stuff. No, it's very- It may get you the hits. It may make you go viral. It may do this. It may do that. But- you cannot pull it back. It's out there forever. Even if you delete the video, it's gone. You know, you just, you have to be very careful on how that will impact you. And trust me when I say you are not prepared for the people who will come at you to argue with you on things, uh, you know, in this world, because there's always somebody who's got an opposing opinion. Always. And I don't, I don't need strangers to tell me like, that I'm a terrible person because I know I'm not. <laughs> and and the thing is generally when they're sharing something like that with you, if they're coming down on someone, it could be because you've said something that you didn't process properly. It could also be that they're getting triggered by something and they're doing exactly what you're saying we shouldn't do is we suddenly we, we respond to someone's comment with a comment just out of pure, like, again, anger, like vomiting our feelings but we haven't actually thought about why or how. So that's a very good point, especially for someone like yourself who does have a public profile to, to limit it a little bit. You know, it's one of the things I have to manage in the Facebook group as well. Um, I know a lot of those support groups like mine online can be, um, there can be a lot of bullying. Um, and it happens, I guess, 
somebody will share something, a question or um, yep. something. And then underneath, you'll get people who are supportive, but then you also get those who I guess are not. They either feel triggered by the question or they decided that this is the place that they're going to say something awful that was really probably intended for yep. someone else, but they decide to vomit it on this person who's in pain. And there it starts. And I, you know, it's funny, I, from the very beginning of starting my Facebook group, I didn't want it to be like that. So I was really, really quick to be like, no, we don't talk like that here. Very positive. We, we keep things nice here. And I have to say one of the things I'm probably the most proud of that I created was that group and the mentality in it, because I now have watchdogs. So if somebody jumps in and starts coming down on someone for simply sharing, I'm hurting today because of this. Yep. Yep. I generally find out about it later because I get tagged. It might take me two hours to actually see that tag and get in there. I'm in the middle of something else. And by then there's already like a dozen people that have said, we don't do that here. <laughs> yeah. So that's well, been yeah, really the, the good. Thing is, why like talk about kicking somebody when they're down. I know. What's the point of that? And also like, if you don't, it's again, I just, if you don't have anything nice to say, so it's so freaking trite, just don't, just but scroll. if you don't have any, just yeah, you don't have to comment. No. Like I, I'm laughing because I posted a video on TikTok of my dog yesterday, by the way, that like it's it's you know picking up a lot of attention. And and some guy comes in and comments and goes, This is boring. And I laughed out loud because dude, you just ensured you're gonna see more of me for starters, because you don't understand how the algorithm works. Yeah. But also like, really? Like this is your life? Like you should have just scrolled by. It actually and blows, me, that, it oh, blows yeah, me away what people are willing to spend their time and energy getting fussed about. He could have just but gone. That's what I mean. Like, that's a dog video, right? And that guy's pressed about that. I mean, my God. I mean, people have opinions on everything. You don't have to comment on everything. Yeah. And especially, I think, in that space. And I think what other what also bothers me about that, that piling on that happens in these divorce groups, separation groups and all that stuff, that sort of piling on yeah. is that it comes with a lot of judgment. You yes. know, when I, when I, you know, I, I hear things like, you know, well, what did you do to him? Oh, I know. Well, well, what did I have to do to him mm -hmm. to deserve that? Yeah. Let me know. What, what, what would have right? made this even? Right. Like, right. Not, I did nothing to deserve that. No. And that you think I did something to deserve it is, is really a testament to your personality because nobody deserves that. Well, this is the I thing. It, it gets, like you said earlier, everybody has a choice in how they respond to anything in life. Yes. You know, we don't choose necessarily to end up in a divorce and we might not choose the circumstances and we certainly can't choose how the courts, for example, respond to it, but we can always choose how we respond to it. Sometimes it's really hard. And on those days, yes, curl up in the ball and don't go on social media, but it's, you know, their choice to, to do what they did or your choice to do what you did. Like it's, it's a choice that we make as is the choice, by the way, to scroll past and pass beyond a message. That Absolutely. People and don't, don't kick with. people when they're down. Like I read, I read things sometimes in your group and other groups. I mean, I, I don't, I don't actually interact in those groups. I, I just never found that to be for me. I was always like, I just need, cause I was always worried about putting something in it. I know these groups are private and I'm not trying to like, I know you're very good at it, but I was always worried about it. And I think more because I have a public profile, I just didn't want to. Yeah. And so, but I always, I'm a lurker. I see the comments and stuff like that. And I sometimes see things and I don't agree or whatever, but that person I know is sharing from a place, a place of pain yeah. and hurt. And that's how they are interpreting it. 
And nothing I can say is going to change that unless it's something positive, Yeah, right? Might help them through. And I don't think this is toxic positivity to say you have a choice in how you react because what it is, is saying I have the power to choose. And Viktor Frankl, uh, you know, the meaning of life, do you know that this book? Um, I do. Well, I, I, I've heard both of the things you just mentioned, but I don't, I don't know it. I, I don't have it behind me, but I, sorry, I can't think of it. Is Anyway, Viktor Frankl, I read that book as I was going through this process and he talked the one thing that people have at the end of the day, you can take everything away from somebody except the choice yeah. to how they interpret things and how they respond to things. That yeah. is always your choice. Yeah. And so as much as I would say, like, again, there are days through this process for women, you're going to be devastated. You're going to be on the ground and that is okay. You are fine. And if all you manage to do that day is go to the bathroom and brush your teeth and nothing else, pat yourself on the back. Oh, I Good know. Job. I I actually said that to a woman who just came into my group and I actually send a personal message to absolutely everyone that comes into my group. And she just said, um, she was kind of apologizing for herself because she goes, I'm not doing well. I'm really struggling. Um, and I, so I just said to her, I said, do you, you know, do you have some words of wisdom for me? And she goes, I'm just really hurting. And I said, you know what you, she goes, she said something about she, she even apologized for not responding sooner. I just got my kids off to school. I'm finally getting around to responding to you. And I said, first of all, you got your kids to school today, which means you got out of bed. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and you also responded to this message. I said, as far as I'm concerned, you're killing it today. She was like two weeks into a separation she had not asked for. And I'm like, it, it's uh, two weeks in. My God, I was I didn't even stop crying for more than maybe 10 minutes at a time. You know, it was just... Yep. So it, so I said that to her and I just said, you are killing it today by my standards. Yep. And she was so grateful. It was just somebody giving her permission in a way to say, like to yeah. not be okay. It's okay that you're not okay. Like go ahead, be a disaster for any amount of time. Like two weeks is nothing. Yeah. Like you're raw, you're bleeding, you're gushing. You know, it's not yeah. a- <laughs> And we, you know, we dismiss these things. Like these are yeah. huge life events. Well, and right? I think, you know, we- we talk a lot about this um, in my coaching group as well. You know, divorce is a loss. Uh, it's a loss of a future, mm-hmm. a family, a dream, uh, many things. Yep. And when generally when a loss happens due to a death, there's a tremendous amount of support. The community rallies and comes together and meals are brought and people are taken care of and counselors are offered and help is offered. Yep. And, and thank God, wonderful. But when someone goes through this, and I would say men or women, there's, it gets dismissed by other people a lot faster. And we get a pat on the back and it's like, oh, you're better off without him anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, but that's not how it feels right now. You know, that's not how mm-hmm. it's being experienced. And regardless of what's happening, and then if you pile on other external factors, like you said, like I said, that have happened to you, where that was the biggest thing for me, divorcing someone who was so adversarial and 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 difficult. Mm-hmm was that there were so many aspects of my life that were out of my control altogether. Like I just, and like you said, the only thing that I could control was myself. And so that became my day was to take care of myself and feel good about myself and, and be able to control my responses and things that that became everything for me. Cause it was the only thing I could control. But I, I think it's, I think we need to be just kinder in general to people whose marriage isn't working and stop worrying about why it didn't work. It isn't actually relevant. And 
just focus on what does this person need and you know what is going on what is going on in their life and how can you help them bring them a meal who says you can't bring a divorced woman a week's worth of potluck dinners like oh my god yeah put her on the meal sure yeah and don't don't like there's this thing that goes around where people get divorced and you friends will drop off yeah because they you know first off you're gonna people divide into teams you know, yes. that you're going to get one side or the other, you're going to get that, but you're also going to get people who are just going to drop off Ma- married friends. A lot do this. Yeah. You become a pariah. It's like because, you're contagious. Oh, oh, I was just going to say, because yeah. that's contagious. Oh this, yeah. And I think that says more about the people who distance themselves than you, because that is a fear response Yes, in married people. Yes. They sit there and go, Oh my God, that might happen to me. Yeah. So I'm going to stay away they're from not her ready or him because then it won't happen somehow. Yeah. And, you know, I would say too, to, to women who are going through this, like give, like, I, it took me a while to get there. Give yourself grace, mm-hmm. forgive yourself. You will do some crazy stuff and you will go, yeah. what? And you will think some crazy things and you mm-hmm. will not even recognize who you are. Yeah. And that is okay. You are lit. I mean, unless you're harming somebody, yeah. don't harm any people. You know? no. And don't intentionally go out and hurt no, uh, don't do your that. ex-partner. Like this is what I'm trying to discourage, obviously. But but also just go like, it's okay to be a little bit unhinged. Your yeah. life is is totally changed. And so you can forgive yourself for that. And you're going to, some days you're going to fall. Sometimes you're going to get up and you're going to be good. Some days you're going to be determined. Some days you're, you know, you're going to be pensive. Fearful and just roll, roll with it, roll with it and, and, and forgive yourself and just allow yourself that space to heal. Healing is so important, right? Like you just really need to give yourself that space and that, and that grace. And it's, it's not always easy. I had a hard day this week. You know, I, I don't have them as much anymore, but I had a really hard day this week where I felt myself being sucked into the bitterness part of it and that anger, because I'm sitting here nearly with, you know, with the damages done to the house, the outstanding amount that I am now over half a million dollars in debt. And when I sit and think about that too long, the weight of it crushes me because I think I will never get out of this unless I win a lottery or, you know, Mike home shows up at my door to somehow replay, you know, I end up on one of those extreme makeovers. Didn't you apply like, for one I'm... of those? No, I didn't, but I'm gunning for it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone is listening before... who has the power to make that happen, make that happen. Yeah, could you please. please just show up at my house and like yeah. send me to Disney for a week and then I come home and everything's back to normal. That would be really nice. <laughs> um, but short of that happening, which yeah. is unlikely, um, I you know, I, like I said, I got plywood floors and you get what you get. And, you know, as I make money, I can replace things. And, but I doesn't mean that I don't occasionally have those days where I get angry and think this person is, you know, walked away scot-free from all the damage they have caused. And it's infuriating, but I, again, come back to, I'm more mad at the system. Yeah at this point yeah the, the uh, that's a broken person out there to behave like that right yeah but there's a broken person out there doing this intentionally yeah you know you can't fix that but the system should be able to address it through enforcement yes that's the part they should like, be able to protect so, you from it right yeah you and, and i would say this is something i talk about a lot with people is that 
it does often, unless you are physically being beaten. Okay. Which is a very different circumstance. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I won't even address that because I don't understand it and I can't speak to it. But for the most part, when marriages dissolve, whoever the party is that leaves or ends it or whatever, there can often be, yeah, it takes two, you know, it could be 70, 30, 50, 50, 60, 40, whatever it's, it takes two to get to that point. What I maintain is that when you move into the divorce process, it takes one. Yes. It, it only takes one person to derail it. You know, that's very true. That's a very good point. Yeah. That person needs to be addressed. Yeah. And I'm tired of the narrative that people pull out and go, oh, well, it takes two. No, No. it doesn't. No, it does not. (laughs) It doesn't. It's very true. Um, I complied with all instructions, all deadlines, absolutely everything that was asked of me, I provided. But that wasn't good enough because the other one didn't. The delays were always because of him and the thousands that were spent. I had to go to trial, trial mm-hmm. to argue about child support. Like the law says what, you know, it just, it was so infuriating because it was just like, he couldn't win it. But I, yeah. I have to assume he had a lawyer who either wasn't clever enough at relaying that or, mm-hmm. or he didn't care, I guess, of the advice he was being given. And there we went. And the fact that I had to spend money on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an entire Every delay education. they do costs you money. That's yeah. intentional, by the way. Yeah. And I had to move to an uncontested trial. Like I actually got an uncontested trial out of this. And the judge came down with this very harsh wording. And that's it. Because it's at the end of the day, it's just wording. It's no enforcement. They all know it. You know, people who do this, they know the system has no bite. It's all bark. I was lucky Nobody's at that gonna, point yep. when our trial was over, our judge was pretty harsh on him too. Like in, and he complied. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, 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 I, like I said, I uh, currently, as it stands right now, I think about $186,000 owing to me in back pay. I pray you get it. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think I will. No, I, I'm at the point where I'm just sort of like, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not holding my breath on it no. because I hear the stories. I talk to women all the time. Yeah, There was a story in Ottawa where uh, her ex-husband said he burned a million dollars rather than give it to him. I give heard it to about her, that I mean. story. I yeah, heard about that, that was a wild story. Yeah, I talk yeah. to that woman occasionally because, you know, we share battle stories, you know, yeah. how this is going. And he was sent to jail. He was fined $2,000 a day and he is still not paid. What do you do with a person like this? I don't know. Right? I don't know. Um, it's okay. It's 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 infuriating. I I want to leave on a positive note. I know. Of course, I would love to too. <laughs> <laughs> you've given some good advice today, and I guess more than anything, um, you because you've said many positive things today, and I I want to bring everyone back to that. You know, you this is incredibly challenging for you continues to be incredibly challenging, but you still have to show up for your work, for yourself, for your children. You have to get on with life. And and I admire you for your ability to see the value of that. And, and that that is on 80% of the days or even 90% of your days, that is what you manage to do. And so I guess, you know, maybe just going back to the things you said earlier that gets you out of those days when you're curled up in the either furious or devastated ball, um, 
is you do you find yourself still going back to things like meditation and reading the books and maybe yeah a bottle or a case yeah. of wine with your girlfriends I don't know <laughs> is that still yeah, so strategy? yeah so I would say interestingly enough um when you say a bottle of wine and stuff like that I actually make a conscious effort not to go to that anymore okay I did during the process and it was becoming problematic because I was relying on it. Okay. And so, so I stopped and I recognized that. So I think that's a good thing to recognize as well, yeah. what your crutches are. It's yeah. really important because, and anything can be a crutch, by the way, it could oh, be social yeah. media. It could be wine. It could be like, it could be it anything. Be yeah. It can be anything. Yeah. And so whatever you're losing yourself in, as a way to numb yourself, I think you have to be extra aware of because it could always become problematic. So be aware yes. of that. That's that's number one thing. Um, I would say the second thing is when you have days like that, seriously assess what is crucial. And you will find that most things are not so crucial. Yeah. Like obviously your job's important. You need to show up. You don't want to lose that. I get that. So you have to be there for that. But anything that can, you can let slide, let it slide, but also let it slide without any guilt. Yeah. You don't, don't owe anybody anything. Don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so that that's another thing I would say. Um, I would say cultivate your female friendships. Yeah. It's huge. I, I talk to a lot of women who are so lonely because through their marriage, they let friendships slide. And we, you know, we all do that. But I think it's really important to focus on those things. As much as it's tempting to, to jump into the dating pool, it's equally as important to jump into the friendship pool. Do well, that as I, aggressively as you would look for another partner. And I think the dating can become like a glass of wine. It becomes, again, a distraction that yep. used to numb, to ignore without dealing with the healing and uh, the work that still needs to be done to be able to oh, do listen, I tell people, look, when you're when you're like 30 days into your divorce, throw yourself up on Tinder just so you know what's out there. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't date anybody. For God's sakes, don't jump into that. <laughs> but like, you know, at least give you because I think a lot of women go, oh, I'm never going to date. You will date yeah. again. No, I hear you it all find the time. Somebody I'm, else. Or I'm maybe you won't. Be alone forever. Yeah, but maybe you won't. And you'll be OK with it because you'll have this pack of amazing friends around yeah. you that you don't care well and that's I mean, ultimately what we want is yeah. to share our life with others and it doesn't have to be if you're a woman and that's the way you're inclined yep. it doesn't have to be another man it doesn't have yep. to be a romantic partner I guess it's really the best way to say it it can be friends that you share things in common with it can be people that you tru truly trust who, who love you and love for you to have the best possible life I mean who's going to stay with you till your dying day right yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I would say too, is like sort of in the early days is to reach out to the divorcees. So these groups yeah. are great. Like yeah. they're great, but I immediately, there's been a real pro proliferation of these groups, by the way, that I've noticed, like, because divorce is a big thing and it's, you know, we're talking about it a lot more and the abuse of the system, I think is bringing it to the forefront. But when I sort of, you know, when I first in 2018, there wasn't really a lot out there. Yeah that I noticed. And so what I did was I went through my Facebook friends and I, whether I had talked to them recently or not, I reached out to them and said, this is what I'm going through. What, what, what's your advice? Any yeah. thoughts? And, you know, some of it was 
good. Some of it wasn't, you know, some of it applied, some of it didn't, but it was just, it was encouraging for me to see women on the other side of things yep. who gave solid advice. And I took what I needed and discarded what I didn't and don't be ashamed. And divorced women know what you're going through. Absolutely. They do. Um, it's, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things when women come into my Facebook group is, is they express the comfort in knowing that they're around people who get it. So they don't yeah. have to do the whole justification explanation of why they feel lousy. Like people just get it. Like they can just say this happened today. And I feel, you know, it's my, it's my one year wedding anniversary. No, it's my wedding anniversary. Right. You know, today I feel like crap. Yeah. people get it. They don't go, well, why do you care? He's an asshole. They don't say that. They just yeah. say, we get it. And that's what they need. And that's what they're looking for. And that's what you were looking for. That's what I needed. Um, yep. And we know when I went through it, there was no Facebook groups like Facebook existed, but not yeah. in the capacity it does now. I did not have a place like that to go. And I had no friends who'd gone through it yet. So I remember, though I had good support, I was very lonely in that space. I had no one I could just go and who said like, oh, I get it. There was no one like that for me. So that was one of the big reasons I did start this. Um, yeah. And I would say it's, it's, it's never easy being the uh, leader in your group. If you're no. the one getting a divorce and your friends, trust me, they'll catch up. I hate to say that, but they oh, are going I know. to catch up with you because, you know, I have a couple of friends now going through this yeah. and, you know, the first call they made was to me, obviously. And, and uh, that's great. I'm glad they did. But if you're the first person out there in your friend group to kind of go through this, that's also hard. It was, it really was, but, um, yeah, I, I I learned to rely on myself to, like you yeah. said, to show myself grace, um, forgiveness for bad days, you know, for not always being the best I could be, you know, not mm -hmm. always showing up as got it all together. Um, yeah, I learned a lot, a lot about myself. Yeah, same. Which was good. I, I like I don't I don't I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I'm not happy nope. it happened. But I would say if I was to look for the good things, it is um, increased my capacity for empathy yeah. a thousandfold. Yeah. Uh, it has made me much more grateful for my friendships and much more aware to treat them with kid gloves and really nurture those because those are the people who really showed up for me. And I'm so lucky to have them. And, uh, you know, that's what I would say is, you know, just really focus on you and what this journey, no matter what they're throwing at you, how can you make this journey benefit you? Yeah. Because on what, uh, someday you will be on the other side of it yeah. and you will need to look at yourself and, and be proud of who you're looking at. And I can say that I am proud of who I'm looking at in the mirror because I did not, I did not make this disaster. I just had to navigate my way through it. Well, I, I love, we're going to stop there because I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really proud of you. Um, I'm proud of myself. It was definitely a launch pad for me becoming who I am today. Um, yep. So I feel, I so, so resonate with everything you just said. And thank you. Thank you for your time today, for sharing your story. I feel like we should like check in with you again soon. And hopefully you got fabulous news for us. Like it's over. But um, <laughs> well, I'll let you know when I'm off my plywood floors. Yes. Okay. <laughs> my comb shows up. We'll do a house tour <laughs> celebration one day or something. 
Um, well, I always laugh at those makeover videos online because I'm like, it just doesn't happen like that. I'm no, sorry. no, it happens yeah. because 25 people walk in and do it. That's why. Yeah. But I um, I really, really appreciate and value what you have to share today, because I, I think a lot of women can connect with the, the challenges you've had and the fact, you know, that it is possible. And I hope that that's the message they hear that. Yeah, I hope so too. Keep smiling and keep functioning and still have a life. So yeah, you got this ladies. I'm telling you, it's hard. Even on your darkest days, you've got this. Awesome. Well, thank you, Candace. Thank you so much for being here today. And um, we'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure. Okay. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. What a great episode. I so enjoyed my conversation with Candace and thank you for being here with us and for taking this time for yourself to hear someone else's story and hopefully you know you've got some um, you know some uh, inspiration or <laughs> empowerment from it um but anyway you can connect with her all her contacts or her social media links and everything is below in the show notes and i will see you next time here on the blessing and divorce and until then i wish you a truly beautiful day <laughs>